This morning we're going to take a look at John chapter 17 as well as Acts chapter 7 in our message this morning. If you want to follow along, especially in John 17, where we'll spend probably a little more time, it's on page 877 in this white and blue Bible if you've got it there with you. Let's pray as we hear God's word this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for letting us gather here today. We, we thank you for the gift of some rain that would help us to, uh, to, to see some new, new life in the grass and the flowers and the trees and, and keep the dust devils away. Uh, we pray that as we, we would hear your word this morning, that you would keep the, the, the real devil away from us and uh, let us know then your power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So during the pandemic, uh, and I suspect I'm not the only one, right, but plenty of people said something to me along the lines of, hey, you know, that doesn't make me feel comfortable. Or uh, is there something we can do to make this safer? I like the idea of having this event, right? Is there something we can do to be safer? Uh, or sometimes people would even just say the bottom line, I don't feel safe. Safety was a paramount concern for us. And I don't think that's a, any, like, big surprise. Nobody is saying, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to get a boo-boo and scrape my knee. We're saying, you know, my existential existence, my, my very being, I don't feel safe alive anymore. There is so much turmoil and upheaval, and there's this virus thing that I can't put my finger on. I don't feel safe. But this is a, a paramount concern for human beings. I mean, we think about this all the time. I thought about this as I considered uh, the request to, to be a pastor in Milwaukee. You know, I didn't just think about the kingdom of God and where I could use my gifts to serve. That was one of the things. I, I didn't just think about my own personal development, I guess career development, if you want to call it that, you know, and, and where my gr growth was, was going. Uh, I also thought, where will I and my family be safe and have security? Where will I have financial security and have a stable income so I can take care of our needs? Practical questions, right? Where will I have emotional and psychological safety for my kids so that they can develop well? And where will we have physical safety? Just be protected. These were, were major concerns, and I know that they're big concerns of all of us. We make decisions constantly in life on the basis of safety. We decide where we are going to buy homes, where we will go to school, where, who we will invite over to our houses, which co-workers we spend time with. One of the factors, I'm not saying it's the only factor, but one of the factors always in our minds is safety. And then I look at the first Christians. And it's not that they weren't concerned at safety at all, but I, I can see incredible risks, and probably you see them take these incredible risks as well. For example, look at John or at, at Acts chapter 4, and we see Peter and John. Peter and John preach in the temple. They get arrested. They're told not to preach anymore. Acts 5, what are Peter and John doing? Back preaching in the temple. They get arrested. They get flogged this time. They get told, don't preach again. Stephen, Acts 7, shows up again. What's he doing? Preaching in the temple. This time, Stephen is stoned. Now the first Christians, the apostles, they all scatter out of the city of Jerusalem, and yet even as they go, they're preaching as they go. They are taking that risk. You know, you think back, think back to some of the big risks that, uh, that they took even with their financial security. The, the first Christians, one of the things it says is that they thought about everything they had as if it was in common, right? They treated all their possessions as if they were held in common. And it says that if anybody had needs, one of them sold their 
possessions to provide for the others. This wasn't communism. Nobody forced them to give up their possessions. But I wonder how many of us would sell our homes and our livelihoods to take care of somebody else's needs. Would we give up that financial security? They, they gave up their financial security. Uh, and, you know, you think, what about the risks that you and I have taken in life? What are some of the biggest risks that you took? You know, I, I spent a lot of time in my younger years taking risks. I drove fast. That was probably not a smart risk to take. One of the fun risks is while everybody else was, was uh, down in Florida sitting on the beaches, I used to spend my spring breaks knocking on doors uh, all around in cities around the country uh, telling people, people the gospel. Uh, when I was 16, I got my, one of my first real jobs. I traveled around in uh, the major cities of the Midwest and hung steel in college dorms. I still can't believe my mom let me do that. You know, like go live in Chicago for the summer, hang steel in dorms and just... Say, hey, see you later, Mom. I don't know why she let me, you know, just blow off like that. I guess she wanted me to grow up or something. Uh, and, and, you know, all kinds of risk. And, and the, probably the biggest risk I got to take was, was as a young man taking my family, my one-year-old daughter, and we moved to Timbuktu, China, just the middle of nowhere. These are big risks that we take. And I, what risks did you take? What risk? I bet you took lots of risks. What risks did you take in your life? Take a moment and think about some of those risks. Write down some of those risks. I am willing to bet that you and I did not just take risks because we were young and we didn't know better. No, I don't think it's like that at all. I I think that in a very deep way, even if we couldn't have said it, we know what Jesus said this morning. Jesus says in this lesson this morning, he says, I protected them and I kept them safe. There is a safety out there, friends, for you and for I that is greater than any risk that we can take. And if we could have that safety, man, the things that we could do. I want you to imagine for a moment, think for a moment, if there was one risk you would want to take right now in life, what would it be? Would you quit your job so you could pursue a career that you'd like to have? Would you simply just stand up to your boss, maybe to some coworkers? Or, or maybe to somebody, a family member. Maybe we got family members that you, know, you need to tell something to. If there was one risk right now, what would you do? Would you move to a new country? Would you sacrifice something in your life so that you could have forgiveness with a spouse or a friend? What risk would you take? There is a safety out there, Jesus tells us today, that is far greater than anything you and I could imagine. And he wants to give it to us as we take a look at John chapter 17 here. And first, we need to understand just how fragile the world really is, just how breakable the world really is. Because Jesus starts and he says in this section, he says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are are one. When I was with them, I protected them, and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. Now you think, if if the God of heaven and earth has come down to earth, but still he feels compelled to protect people, what does that tell us? It tells us that the world is a dangerous, maybe, or fragile, a breakable, and unstable place. It's, it's really fragile. I think this is something that we, we need to wrestle with because we continually operate with this assumption that somehow we can make our lives safe. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I was reading this book by uh, an economist and a trader named Nassim Taleb. 
uh, and he writes a book on randomness and chance. It's really interesting. And he's got this thought experiment. He says, okay, imagine you have $10,000 and you, you want to invest your $10,000 and you give $1 to each of 10,000 traders. Okay, so you got 10,000 traders each have one of your dollars. In five years, if, if there's two assumptions, right? In five years, if they, none of them have any expertise, you know, none of them have any better success than anybody else, and, and if you lose the money, you're out of the game. Okay, if you take those two assumptions, in five years, how many people will have made money? And he says, okay, go through this. And you say, every trader in reality only has a 50-50 chance of making money. 50% chance of making money, 50% chance of losing money. Now, in, in real life, we might say we have lots more skill and ability that we can bring to bear, but he says, no, no, don't, don't put all of that stuff in it, because the reality is, is no matter how much skill or ability or anything else you have, you only have a 50% chance of making money or a 50% chance of losing money. You have just as much odds of losing that money. And so after one year, 5,000 people have lost money and 5,000 people have made money. Now the next year, half of them, again, have lost money. He says, so after five years, do you know how many people will have made money? 269. Now you think about that risk. What are the odds? I know that that's not exactly real life, okay, because people at least imagine that they have skill and ability, they have past experience that helps them get better, and life is not a zero-sum thing where if you lose, you're just out, right? We get second chances. But you think about this, if you had $10,000 to invest, what are the odds that you're going to pick a trader that could win? If it's just straight chance, one in 50 chance that you're going to pick a trader who will make money, that's not very good odds, is it? Most of us will lose our money, he's saying. That's how fragile the world is. Or, or take a look at this thing. You know the average tenure in America for working at a job? It's four years. That's the average amount of time that an American works with one employer. Now you think you have a stable job, you say to yourself, oh, I've got, a, I've got my security set in life, I can work for this employer. No, right, that's not the case at all. Most Americans will lose their job within four years. Don't think that your world is set. Uh, and one, time, one thing that really makes you think about this is it's called the fine-tuning of the universe. So scientists have figured out, right, we've got this thing called gravity, which pulls everything together, and that's a good thing, because otherwise I'd be floating around while I'm preaching to you. You probably wouldn't like that, would you? Um, although it would make it pretty entertaining, wouldn't it? So, you know, we got this thing called gravity, which holds the entire universe together. At the same time, there has to be a force that pushes the universe apart, Otherwise, the world would collapse on itself. And, and he says that the scientists have figured out that the, that fine-tuning of the universe, it's called the cosmological constant, is, is tuned to like a 1 to the 10, it's a 1 to the 10th to the 120th power. It's that small of a number. That's the balance of the force that, between what pulls us together and pushes everything apart. And if that number was off by just a little bit more, either the entire universe would collapse on itself, or the entire universe would just explode and you'd be tiny particles floating across space. That's how fragile the world is. And, and this is exactly what the Bible has told us all the time. Peter writes that all men are like grass and our glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers decay. 
That's not to say that there's anything bad with us, just that we are beautiful for a day and then gone. Jesus told a story about a man who built huge barns because he had great success one year in his crop. He built these huge barns and he said, I'm going to retire and enjoy life. And that very night, God said, I'm going to demand your life from you. James probably put it the, the most succinctly, the most straight to the point for us. James said, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This is why Jesus says, I protect them. You don't even know how much he's holding the entire world together, the entire universe together. What are we going to do about this? You and I, we understandably then try to keep our world safe. And, and I, I, you know, I appreciate this. I try to do the best I can to keep my world safe as much as possible anyway. And Jesus says he does the same thing. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, what does the word sanctified mean? What does that word sanctified mean? Sanctified means set aside, to put to the side, right? What's Jesus doing? He's, he's keeping us safe. He's setting us to the side for safekeeping. He, he's, he's taking us out of danger and putting us someplace safe. I mean, this is what you and I do. If you need to save money for a car, what do you do with it? You set it aside for safekeeping. If you're old school, you put the money in your mattress. If you're normal, you put the money in your bank. If you're new and cool, you put it in Dogecoin. That's what you do. You keep your money safe there for safekeeping. And now, the only problem is, is, well, what happens when you need to pay for college? Or you want to buy a cool gift for one of your kids or your spouse? Oh, all of a sudden, it's not safe anymore, is it? You haven't set it aside. That's the thing, right? That's... That's what Jesus wants to show us today. What we do, most of us do, when we want to keep something safe, is we put the thing to the side. And we think that somehow by doing it, we can keep ourselves safe. But Jesus wants to show you and I that doesn't exactly work. Now, it it works a lot of the times. If you need to save for a car, you should set your money aside. I'm not telling you not to save. Okay, save. It's a good thing. And, and if you are in an abusive situation, you should set yourself apart from it. Get out of it. It's not safe. Make yourself safe. But Jesus says, look, there's something, there's a much better way to be safe. And what is it? He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus teaches us that what really, where we really get safe in life is not when we set ourselves apart, but when we put something into ourselves. That's when we get safe. It's not when we separate something away, but it's when we take something in. You notice Jesus doesn't say, sanctify them by the truth. Your family is truth. Family is a good thing. Family is a great thing. The Bible loves our families, but your family, you can't keep everything safe in there. There's families all over the place that fall apart. Jesus doesn't say, sanctify them by the truth. Your home is truth. Your home is a great place, but it can't keep you safe. There are Christian homes everywhere where sin has wrecked terrible damage. Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. I'm going to put my word into you, and that will make all the difference to keep you safe. 
You know, here's a, a way that I've kind of seen this play out, or I, this is how I imagine it. So my wife and I, we like each other generally. Um, you probably know that. We, we tend to like each other. And we get along pretty well for the most part. Like everybody, we have our share of issues and struggles to work through. And one of the tactics then, when we have some issues and struggles to work through, one of the things we do is we just stop the conversation. Uh, and you can ask my kids about this. Sometimes we'll do this. We'll be like in the middle of a heated conversation about, you know, whatever, how she's picking on me or something mean like that. And, and we'll say, wait a second, stop. Let's come back to this later. Now, here's the problem is I've grown really skeptical of that practice, right? If we're in the middle of the conversation, we just say, stop. I've become really skeptical of that. Why do you think? Because, of course, we never come back to the conversation, it, it, we, never get, we never bring it back up. Two days later, we say, what were we arguing about before? Oh, I don't know. And then the unresolved issues in our relationship just keep building up. What we found out that works a lot better, what we've enjoyed, is we will, we will just bring a friend or a mentor or a counselor or a pastor into the conversation. A counselor or a pastor has been best for us, where we'll say, okay, we want you to make us play safe. We want you to make us fight fair. If you're sitting there, we'll fight fair. We want you to put your words into this conversation. We want you to stick your nose and your words into our life. And you know what? It works. They make us fight fair. They make us play safe. All of a sudden, in our, we might still disagree. We might still have a discussion, but we play safe. We fight fair. Now you think, what if you could put the words of the one who was set apart from sin and death and the devil into your world? What if you could take the, ones, the words of the one who was crushed by the fragility of this life and he could put it into your life? What would happen to you if you took those words and they were put into your soul? The one who has been set apart from sin because he was killed by it, the one who has been set apart from the devil because he was, he was defeated by him, the one who was set apart from death because he was put in the grave, but he rose again to separate himself from all those things, and you put his words into your life, what do you think that could do? You know that that would make you bulletproof, that would make you more unbreakable than you ever thought possible. You know you see the best example of that in Stephen this morning. Stephen, he, he takes all of these risks, he preaches, he gets put on trial, he dies, he's stoned. The last words he has to say, what are they? Lord, receive my spirit. And he fell, did you notice it? it? He fell asleep. He fell asleep. Now why do you think it says he fell asleep? Why do you think it says he was died, he died, or he was killed, or he was murdered, or he was persecuted? Why did it say he fell asleep? Because he's safe. It's just like if you and I fall asleep in our beds at home at night. Stephen's soul was safe. See, and this is what happens. If you've got the word of the one who was crushed by the world in you, you're always safe. Who you are, what really matters in life, can never be taken from you. Not in this world, not in the world to come. You have certain safety if his word has not just been floating around here, but if it's been put into your world, if you have been taken from this world and into his world because his word is in you, you have certain safety. So here I want to 
invite you to take a risk with me this week. I'm going to do something a little dangerous here. It's a good thing that we have insurance, and my insurance, our insurance as a church covers pastoral counsel, because if I get in trouble for this, we'll, we'll use that insurance. So um, my, I was learning some family history this week, and it was my great-great-great-grandpa who came over from Germany to this country. He was 63 when he got on a boat, and he traveled from Germany here. 63, in a, in a time, in an age where if you made it past 40, hardly anybody made it to 70. Life expectancy was not even 70 years. He was very much a senior citizen. When he got on this boat and he made it, came here. And he had a six-year-old son, maybe a seven-year-old, whatever, something like that, right? He took a huge risk, and it's because of that risk that you have me, whether you like me or not, you're stuck with me today, as, as a pastor, because uh, one awesome senior took an incredible risk. Now you, your soul, you have certain safety, as long as you're with that word. What risk could you take this week? Is, yes, the world is a fragile place, and it will, it will crush you, especially if you try to do your thing to keep yourself safe. But as the, to the extent that you are with him, you are safe. What risk could you take? What was that risk that you, I asked you to take in the beginning? Maybe you want to take that this week, huh? Let's pray for that. Lord, it is true that the world is a, is a, is a fragile place, and, and we should do things to keep ourselves safe. We pray that we would take wise risks, take great risks for you and for your kingdom. You have set us uh, eternally safe, eternally secure, so that we can be part of your work in this world. We don't always know what those risks are, but open up doors for us that we can go through them and take these risks for you. It's great to be with you and to know that we have certain safety. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.